to see we do have a voice. I'm your host, Shelly Turner. Being diagnosed with breast cancer is where the discussion starts. Breast cancer doesn't care where you live. It doesn't care who you know, how healthy you are, how many initials you have behind your name, or what color your skin is. This podcast is a platform that will create discussion in order to help you find your story, your decisions, your information, and your understanding. Now let's get into it. I have with me today something very special to me, Robin Early. So she's here because she is a breast cancer survivor. She's here because she wants to share her story. She's here because she has a story. And she has a story because she is a breast cancer survivor. So I am always, 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 it's my pleasure that Robin agreed to come and tell her story. This is not a segment where we're going to have anything talked about medical or treatment, doctor's advice. We're going to talk to Robin about her story. So let's go. Robin, let's hear your story. Thank you so much, Shelly. It's a pleasure being here to share my story. I am a 12-year breast cancer cancer survivor as of yesterday. And mm, congratulations. Thank you. My story is basically I am a survivor who is a thriver. When I got the diagnosis of breast cancer, it was kind of like a blow, but I had to rely on my faith to give me the strength and the hope and the love of my family and friends um, that brought me through. So my whole thing that I always tell women is early detection saves lives. And we have to be advocate of ourselves in the health of our breasts, our life overall, and knowing our bodies better than we, you know, should do in reference to seeing things as goes on in our bodies and bring it to our attention of our doctors. And I, um, had a wonderful uh, support doctor system. And I think that came about with sharing with other women who go to the doctor and other breast cancer survivors to help me to be able to strive and to know what to expect. So basically, you know, I'm, I'm just excited to be able to share my story and just help any, encourage anyone out there to um, get your support, um, talk about it, share about it. So what you said about early detection and you felt like early detection was a help for you. So did you diagnose yourself or was it through a scheduled treatment with your oncologist or how did, how did you find out? Well, I found out with my mammograms that I do annual mammogram screening that I do every year. And unfortunately I had always had for 19 years, a um, abnormal mammogram as a result of, um, a situation where I was a victim of um, balance and I got shot in my left breast. And as a result of that, I had fragments that were still there. And that always came up every year for 19 years. But on my 50th birthday, on the 20th year, I did my mammogram and we had to do a biopsy and the biopsy came up as positive. And that was a result of a week before I was supposed to have a hysterectomy. And my gynecologist, who was very thorough and always getting me two screenings because I have dense breasts. So he gave me two screenings of the ultrasound and the mammogram. And that's how I found out because I did my routine um, exams. So I usually like to ask the question, how did being diagnosed change your life? But you had something tragic that preceded breast cancer changing your life. 
So after you went through that in your personal life, and then here you are now dealing with breast cancer, how did that like heighten what you were going through? You know, how did that now affect your life since your life had already been affected? Well, it's just a matter of me strengthening my faith to be able to be an advocate for breast cancer um, survivors, because when we heard the C word, mm-hmm. we thought we were going to die. Always. And so I had to look on my faith to say, God brought me through a mm-hmm. lot and he didn't mm-hmm. save me that breast for it to kill me. Right. So right. my faith was basically strengthened as a result of having cancer. Hmm. I mean, but it sounds like you had strong faith to begin with that just piggybacked on what you were actually going through. And now it's like, show me who you really are. Cause I need you now some more. I need you really now to show me, but it's like when we get diagnosed with cancer, it changes our life and it changes relationships. It changes, you know, where we were going. So how did breast cancer change your life from where you were going to now where you are definitely going to go, you know, where you have to go now? Well, I think it was more or less a glimpse of my life was upon me that I'm like, okay, I got 50 and I get this cancer. It's Mm -hmm. like, wow. But again, with my faith, I'm like, okay, I can get through this. I'm a thrive. And every time I talk to somebody about, I never was shamed of it. Mm -hmm. I talked about it. And even though when I talked to people who I had a friend of mine who actually, when I found out that I had breast cancer, she was like, oh, I wanted you to talk to this doctor and this doctor. Because her mother died the same year I got it. Right. And so she was kind of really upset Mm -hmm. about it. And she was like, I'm like, I'm not going to die with this. I'm going to survive. Yeah, that's what you said. When people hear cancer automatic, that's a death sentence. And And with that, it just made me become more of a thriver with it. And it actually helped her to see it a person thriving mm-hmm. with it because she had her mother who dealt with right. it and it was, you know, to death, even though her mother went through it a um, second time around. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the point is, is that to answer your question, it just made me just enlighten me and then just made me want to do, mm-hmm. it, want, it made me want to live. You know, it made me want to be more, more serious, more connection with my faith, more um, giving, mm-hmm. more gratitude. Mm-hmm. It just wanted me to be, mm-hmm. I wanted to just be more positive about this situation. Did you have a lot of family support? Well, unfortunately, my family, my immediate family is all on the East Coast. So mm-hmm. I had relied on my friends mm-hmm. and my family. When my aunt came out here, she came out here for my hysterectomy because, again, I found mm-hmm. out a week before mm-hmm. I was supposed to have a hysterectomy and she was coming out here to help me with the hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell mm-hmm. her when I found out I had um, cancer because I knew she would be worrying about coming on a flight from back east. And I just mm-hmm. waited till I saw her face to face. And the result mm-hmm. of that, it helped her to see she was going through everything, trying to help me to figure it out. And I, I was telling her that I have God and God's going to take care of it. He's going to give me the right doctors. Mm-hmm. I prayed on everything um, in reference to it. And as a result of me going through that, it showed my family the faith that I had to rely on God because my family, my immediate family wasn't here. So right. back then when I happened, you know, 12 years ago, I had to deal with um, 
the resources available that we didn't have Zoom. We had, I forgot what right. it was. And so every week I had to check in with my family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. after I, when I went through, um, after the surgery, when my aunt was here, but when I had to go through the radiation treatment, which was 35 days of treatment, you know, and I had straight every day, right, Monday right. through Friday, straight, straight every day. And that helped me to not only help my family to show my strength it helped my job, my coworkers, because I was encouraging mm -hmm. myself mm -hmm where I would go to work and do my radiation in mm -hmm. the morning and I would go to work afterwards because again, your mind starts playing tricks on you, you know, and well, the devil basically ops what I'm going to call. The fact is that plays tricks on you like, okay, you, you mm -hmm. don't need to, you can go home and, you know, go in this pity party with yourself, but I wanted to keep going. And I talked to women because again, I talked to mm -hmm. other survivors and it, they helped me to understand you can mm -hmm. keep going. You know, when you're tired, you know, just just mm -hmm. feel into your tiredness. And I went every day, go to the radiation, mm -hmm. go to work, come home, just relax. Uh, and that was kind of hard because I wanted to go and stop and do all my mm -hmm. shopping on the way home, stuff like that. Yeah, because I know you'd like to do that. I know you'd like yes. to do that. <laughs> yes. So I mean, try to catch my mess. Yeah. Macy said. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I said, okay, I got to go home mm -hmm. and relax. And I had a good support staff. I mean, a good support system. My friends support me in special ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think sometimes when I talk to other women who have breast cancer, or they, you know, they're like, I don't. I don't want to tell nobody because I don't want nobody giving me a pity party mm -hmm. or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a pity party. It was strength because one of my friends would make me smoothies, oh. vegetable smoothies mm -hmm. to take every day after I take my radiation mm -hmm. to help put deposit, you know, nutrients back into my body. Right. So, and it was a male. Mm -hmm. And, and so, and at the time I was dating my um, partner, I was dating. He was like, why does it have to happen to good people? Mm -hmm. I'm like, mm -hmm. I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it like no. why it happened to me, but because it's my faith to bring me through because mm -hmm. people got these testimonies from people. And he's going to use you to like you're being used today to tell your story, because for me, telling stories is healing. And for someone to hear your particular story right now, it's a stop and listen. And let me hear what else she has to say moment, you know, because I'm listening to you and I know you, but I'm listening to you like, I've heard, this is the first time I really heard your story. So when you say that it's your faith and the support you had, I know that I know for sure that's true. You know, I know that you're just not saying it because, okay, that's a good thing to say. Oh yeah. Well, let the next person that's been diagnosed with breast cancer say, oh, you know, but well, you're going to have friends and there's going to be people you can talk to, but there's not always people you can talk to. So like with your doctor, did you feel you got enough information in your doctor's office to help you to navigate the journey that you're on? Yes, I did. My gynecologist was great anyway. And I mm -hmm. got him again, how I got the doctors. I found out from friends because mm -hmm. everybody got a friend who goes to the doctor yeah. all the time. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I found out from my friend, well, who do you go to right. for this and that? And that's how I yeah. found my gynecologist. Well, mm -hmm. what happened was my gynecologist referred me to an oncologist. And when I went mm -hmm. to the oncologist, mm -hmm. he referred me to, he wasn't available. And this other person mm -hmm. came, this other doctor came into the room. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, well, you're not Dr. So-and-so. And he's like, exactly. he's like, no, Dr. So-and-so was busy and I'm taking over. And I said, oh, okay. But 
I had to remember, I go back to what I prayed about. That's what you got. My prayer was, Lord, give me the right doctors to help me through this. But it manifested right there for you. It manifested so, but the problem is that it manifested Mm -hmm. so real that it was like, Mm -hmm. I had to have a pause, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. okay, when he said his name. And Mm -hmm. I just saw him Friday um, for my annual um, follow-up. And we have connected so well that we Mm -hmm. talk about the breast cancer. Then we talk about other medical things. And then we talk about sports. I love that because my relationship with my oncologist, I love him. And I mean, I love him. He, he's, he's a friend. And just like you said, you guys talk about whatever is to talk about. We talk about the breast cancer a little bit, and then we go on. And we talk about his mother in Spain. We talk about his twin. You know, we have great conversation. And sometimes I tell him, I feel guilty coming in there because I see him twice a year. Because I see that people are still walking through those double doors in the to the chemo room. And I forget. I guess I don't know. I don't know if it's bad to say I forget about people that are going through, but there are still people being diagnosed every single day. And the the journey is still going. The fight is still going. And the reality is some people are losing the fight and some people are winning the fight. So when you hear people are getting diagnosed for the first time breast cancer in these days, in these times, how do you feel about the new things that are going like the clinical trials? Would you would you do a clinical trial now if you were diagnosed again? Would you be interested in something like that? Yes, I would, because the whole thing about it is that from what I found out on the journey, mm-hmm. we as African-Americans mm-hmm. are not in these clinical trials. Exactly. And I think the fact is that we're not in your clinical trials is because of the fear. And I want to say one of my church members went through a clinical trial mm-hmm. with triple negative breast cancer. And she is still standing strongly. Mm-hmm. I think she's in her over five years. Triple negative breast cancer. Most people say you pass away from that. Yeah, that that's like, you know, go get it together. I think the trials are very important. And we, mm-hmm. as African-Americans, need to try to refocus our minds. Say we're not guinea pigs. Exactly. Now, that's the point right there. We're not for data. You know, no. we're, we just don't want you to give us what you think. How do you communicate to do your homework? Just don't let your doctor tell you, oh, we have this new clinical trial that you you would, you know, let's see if you qualify. And when I hear that word that people have to qualify for a clinical trial, what does that mean? Do you need to be almost at death to qualify for this clinical trial? Because we would like to get data on your cancer and the result. And if you, if you make it, we're still going to, you know, we have another clinical trial for you. So even in my third diagnosis, my surgeon, she did try to mention to me, she said, but Shelly, there's so many new clinical trials. I looked at her, I said, I'm not doing any treatment. I was not interested in a clinical trial because just like you said, African-Americans don't get the information about the clinical trials. They get the suggestion, you know, well, why don't we offer this to you? And you're like, okay, but what is it? Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry. You know, it's, it'll work. It'll help you. But the the extension of that is that we as African-Americans sometimes don't even ask the questions because we trust wholeheartedly in the doctor. You know, a lot of people don't even get offered clinical trials. And when I ask people, well, did your doctor offer you a clinical trial? No. They make a decision for you without you knowing that they 
made a decision to not include you in something that might help you. So it's like clinical trials, it's like you need to really do your homework. You just can't take their word because I know, you know, like I know so many women that have had breast cancer that just don't have a relationship. If they go into the doctor, doctor says, okay, you have breast cancer. Let's get you in for a biopsy. Let's do the mammogram over. Let's see, let's leave, let's see. And you're just like, okay, okay, okay. Instead of, you know, what are you talking about? Tell me again. And if your doctor doesn't want to explain it to you until you get it, you know, just like being in a classroom when you're in school, explain it to me until I understand, till I can repeat it back to you. Right. I would have to have all the information and I would ask the questions reference to it. Now, I think the question going back to how did you find out? There's so many organizations that are available, including the more of a mixed culture that we need to get involved in to get their information because we we can find out what's going on and we can mention mm-hmm. it to our doctors. Now, when I had talked to my doctor, my oncologist, and he said to me, my counterpart, who y'all was supposed to see, because I was stage two, would have recommended chemo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He said, my oncologist says, I don't recommend chemo unless it's a certain stage. Right. It was more aggressive because we medically speaking, he said, don't know the long-term effect of chemo. Who said this to you? My oncologist told me this. Really? So again, when I said I prayed for God to get the right doctors in my life, I listened to what he said. Now, what you just said, I've never heard of that. We don't, he didn't recommend chemo unless you were at a certain stage and you're at stage two. He he did not recommend it. He said my counterpart would have, and then I was going to refuse it uh-huh. because I know from other people who've taken chemo that they had long-term effects. Oh, you do. And I would have been, and I, and, and the fact is that I, you know, asked the question, well, what if I don't take the chemo right now, mm-hmm. but I know radiation because I understand when they explain the radiation because I still have my breasts and did the lumpectomy. Right. And therefore there was seeped out when they removed the tumor, it could have been seeped out into your system right. and their micro, micro scales that you can't see. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. Mm-hmm. So my point is, is that I would have found out a little further if he would say, no, well, you can take chemo if it comes back. Then I said, okay, then I'll deal with it then. But I mean, he didn't, he didn't recommend it to me. So I'm just saying for myself, because of what I've heard from others, what I've seen, right. I would just made the decision of declining on that part. But that would have been my decision on it. And hearing you say that, I was not given that option. I wasn't even privy to that type of conversation. And my first diagnosis in 1998, I didn't know that I was in control. I was one of the people that I just talked about a few minutes ago. You know, you just go to the doctor and you say, okay, okay. My mother, my brother, my husband, we all, they all, we all went, you know, cause it's like, what? You've got cancer. I never knew until the third time that I, I really had a choice. And the third time my doctor went way above and beyond, like, because this is your third time, it's a HER2 positive. It's we trying to figure out where did this even come from? You had your breast removed. So this is not even supposed to be something we're talking about, but it came anyway. But I refused chemo. I refused everything because they were like, okay, with this, you're going to have to have chemo for about a year. I'm like, what? The second time almost killed me. And then after that, because it's a HER2 positive, we're going to have you on another chemo that's going to affect your heart. But after you finish the treatment, your heart should go back to normal. I'm out. I'm good. (laughs) I said, nope. (laughs) 
And that's important because my my uh, another friend of mine who had to have her mother had it, it was hereditary. And and going mm-hmm. back to hers is hereditary. Mine's was not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was the first in my family. I lost my mother at an early age, mm-hmm. not knowing if she would have had it. But my grandmother, which was her mother, lived mm-hmm. to ninety nine. Mm-hmm. She never had it. Oh wow. Okay. So, and my grandmother on my father's side, she had cervical cancer, but he was only fifteen. So, oh wow, okay. When she had passed, but the point of what you're saying is important because my girlfriend who had to have chemo, she had a mastectomy done, and she couldn't have reconstruction because the mm-hmm. chemo damaged her heart. But she's alive, and now mm-hmm. the type of cancer she had came back into her bones. So that's what I mean. I'm thinking. I mean, really, literally, I'm thinking realistically. Where would I be if I have never had chemo? Because it came back after the first time. You know, they tell you, oh, if you got those good five years, you're good. But mine came back after 12 years. And then the third came back after 10, after the 12. So where would I be? What would be the difference of my three, my two additional diagnoses if I hadn't done chemo the first time? And there are long-term side effects. You know, some days you feel like you have the flu because you're so achy. But those things have like tapered off. Now the hot flashes, oh yes, that's that's not a myth by any means. That is the truth. And I have dealt with hot flashes since 1998. And I mean, to the point where I can get up and lay back down and you would think I had a heating pad on because my body is on fire. But I've learned to live with that. But those are the results. And like I said before, sometimes I forget I have my ovaries taken out. I, I forget. But it's like all those things, what if I hadn't done any of those things? And when I have my annual visit with my OBGYN, I love her, love her to death. And I and I asked her, and I know she thinks I'm crazy because I asked her more than once. I said, did I really have to have my ovaries taken out? And I always asked her, I said, well, if it was you, would you have done it? And she said, 100%, Shelly. But they call everything preventive. I removed my breasts, it came back. So what happens if I didn't take my ovaries out or didn't agree? But, you know, hindsight is 50-50. It's like, there we are, but I've done those things. But you're saying to me that your doctor said you you didn't really have to have chemo. That That's wild to me. He said that his counterparts, but like I said, again, I mean, I'm just saying uh-huh. I stood on my faith when I asked the question mm-hmm. to the Lord. But you got the doctor, you got the doctor that God sent you. Right. Because I, I because I asked for that. I'm just saying, because mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lord, you got to have faith. The point you can ask yeah. for it, and if it's God's timing, He's going to answer it. Number one, but the point is that He, in the conversation when He said that to me, it just like wow. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. He said, mm-hmm. "No, yeah, we just don't." And He's very, you know, um, He's ja- and He's Japanese, and like He's very, He's very mild mannered, um, and just kind of straightforward about certain things. And I, and I tell him, I say, I appreciate it. Oh God, how how could you not? And it's like, I'm appreciating him through what he told you because he was honest with you. I have never heard a doctor say, well, let's not do chemo now. That's the first thing that comes out of their mouth. You know, that's the first thing they go through. It's like, oh, your hair is going to fall out. I saw a lady in the mall and she had, she was, her, her hair was gone and she had a baseball cap. And it's like, you have that intuition when you see another woman with with her hair gone and that look. There is a look that 
people going through cancers have. And I don't care what anybody says, because I've walked up to several people and just said, are you doing okay? Because I see that look. And it's mm -hmm. like, I, I just looked at her and I was like, it's, it just breaks my heart. Like I said, you walk in, women are being diagnosed every day that when we were diagnosed years ago, could have never thought they were going to have cancer. They weren't even in the arena where the conversation was being had. But now here they are. And here we are on the thriving side, looking at the ones on the treatment side. And it's just, you know, it's just got to be something that we can continue to be the advocate for one another, you know, always talking about it, new or old. And that's why I wanted you to come and tell your story. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. And another thing I would like to say is support. Oh, get involved. Yes. Women have to get involved in support because you hear, and like I said, you go to the extreme, mm -hmm. you go to the, the Susan Coleman's, if I have to throw out there, although people say they don't give money to the black they, women. They don't really do anything in the community. And I will say that they don't, I mean, they used to right. be the only organization that you were, you were thrown at and they don't do anything. I mean, they didn't, did they do their run walk this year? I, I didn't hear one thing about the Susan. They did. They did. But what I was going to say mm -hmm. and, and get the information from them and look into it. Yeah. Cause they got the information and their website. Mm -hmm. I, I took their website, went through the website with the questions mm -hmm. to ask your doctor. Mm -hmm. I took that with me. Mm -hmm. and, I, and also I had my aunt being an educator mm -hmm. who was out here for me again for my hysterectomy mm -hmm. she was all on the internet mm -hmm. and when she looked up youtube mm -hmm. and somebody was giving a testimony from uh our hospital back mm -hmm. east mm -hmm. that happened to be a friend of hers wow. that we had no idea mm -hmm. that she had um triple negative breast cancer Jeez. back 25 years ago and that was a death sentence right and, and that's what she said but she 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 gave her testimony on that one but I know, and it shouldn't be that we have to track it down. It should be easily available to us, but it's not. Mm -hmm. It's not. As African-American women, it's not a given. They're surprised if you know about it, and they'll talk about it if you talk about it. But if you don't know about it, they're not going to offer it. And it's like breast cancer doesn't discriminate. You know, I say in my trailer, it's like it doesn't care where you live what color your skin is, how many initials you have behind your name, who you know, how much money you make. Well, are you kidding me? All those people die. You know, every single person from every single class, people die from, women die from breast cancer. So when you want to discriminate against us, what, what is your reason? You know, do you want to see us die or do you just don't want to help us or you don't think we're worth your time? I've had a woman on the show previously, and she said her doctor told her black women don't get mammograms. And it's like, that doesn't make sense. You know, that's why I said we have to advocate for ourselves. And when you say about the support groups, that's why being newly diagnosed, I would hope the first information that you stand by is go get information outside of your medical, you know, your doctor's office, outside of your insurance or go get information. I was told recently that there's a certain breast cancer insurance. I never heard of that. I never heard of that. So it's like all these things that other women know are key to live, you know, because if you don't know, you have to care about your life just a little bit to go ask one question and that person can ask another person and you'll get an answer or you'll get some direction. The journey is not really for you to be on your, on your own on this journey. And those who think they can do this journey on their own, 
I would say, no, you can't. You really don't even want to. And just like you said, you know, after radiation days, you had a friend making you a smoothie. You, ne you need somebody there that may not necessarily know what you're going through, but that will support you no matter what you're going through. So it, it's a journey. And like I said, to know that women are being diagnosed every day. So, you know, the journey is not over and the things that are available now were not available way back. You know, when I first got diagnosed in 1998, there are so many different resources out there today. And Robin Early, you have become a resource. I'm proud to say I don't have a problem being a resource. And sometimes women, as we found out, you know, they don't want to talk about it. I want to forget about it. But you can't forget about it because it can help mm -hmm. somebody else. Right. And it happened to you. It's a reality. It's now part of who you are. Definitely who you are. So when you don't want to talk about it, I don't, I don't know what to say with that because I don't understand people that don't want to talk about it. You know, especially women that have had their breasts removed. I'll tell you, I'll stand on the highest mountain with the biggest mouth. I don't care. You know, I don't care. This is what I decided to do for me. And I'm extremely comfortable, but to say somebody else is, no, I wouldn't say that for anybody else. But for me, I'm very comfortable with it because this is the choice I made for myself because everything is a choice and you'll have the experience from the choice that you make. So have the information before you make a choice so you can make a choice that you won't regret. You know, you won't wish that you hadn't get all Absolutely. the information because if you ask for it, you can get it. Can't you? Can't you, Robin? Yes, you can. So I want to thank you. I really do want to thank you for taking the time out to share your time with me. Thank you for being so receptive to my invitation. I appreciate you more than you know. You're quite welcome. Anytime. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I have access to you. Yes, you do. I'm, I'm available. Thank you so much. And Robin, thank you really for sharing your story because your story, just like anybody else telling the story, it's healing. Like I said, if one person just stops and say, what did she say? Oh, I want to, I want to hear the rest of her story. Then you've done it. Absolutely. You've reached your goal. Thanks everyone for listening. Make sure to follow and rate the show wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is produced by Rainbow Creative with executive producer Matthew Jones. Producers Stephen Selnick and editors and mixers Rob Johnson and Stefano Montelli. See you on the next one.